Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Nick Morton and Jack Crick are two Australians that run Bow Hunting Only. It's a brick-and-mortar store outside of Newcastle in New South Wales. They've been big fans of Blood Origins, Nick's uh, companies, Ozcut and Nexus, support blood origins on a monthly basis and they just are avid 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 bow hunters nick invited me whilst i was visiting family in australia to go bow hunting on a, a private little property up in the hunter valley and i literally had the best 36 hours of hunting i've ever had and especially with a bow so i wanted to have a podcast with nick and jack we're having this podcast in a tiny shack in the Hunter Valley of New South Wales. We've just uh, introduced Nick to Milo sandwiches, which are poor man's Nutella sandwiches. And uh, Jack Crick has cooked us up a phenomenal, rich, buttery goat tenderloin that was absolutely delicious. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple, is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name my is... Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Glad. Blowing out the microphone. Nick Morton. Powerful, powerful presence. <laughs> powerful presence. Would you rate... You've, you've been elk hunting in... Twice. Montana? Yes. 
Unsuccessfully. Is that harder than what we did this morning? Uh, it's different. It's harder when you haven't done it before and you don't know. Mm. Put it this way, if I went back and I know the areas that I have to go to, I'd back myself to get it done. Sure. It's more of that exploring unknown. Yeah. That's the hard part for mm. me. The physical hunting of the animals once we found them, yes, it's difficult, but I think the finding and knowing where to go in an unknown was the hard part for me over there. Mm. You know, um, it's, it's very different hunting America versus Australia, you know. Um, it was a very steep learning curve when I went over there because you look at the good areas, everyone sees the good areas that you can hunt. Right. Obviously, the good areas are then pressured. Right. So, the elk are not there. going to be where people aren't, which is what I very yeah. soon learned. So, yeah. was, where's the hardest place to get to? Where do people not want to go to? But you could get there. You're fit. Like this, these oh, these course, mountains yeah. are obviously training you to be... Definitely. Definitely. But, you know, like you look at a nice big meadow over there and you go, that should hold animals. Mm. But so do 2,000 other hunters. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. all going to go there and the elk... They learn pretty fast that, hey, mm-hmm. don't hang here because there's a lot mm-hmm. of people. So let's go up in the backcountry mm-hmm. where people can't get to and blah, blah, blah. And you're competing with other people, which is what we don't have to do here. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we've just gone hunting on a property this morning that's yep. exclusively <coughs> us. Yeah. Like we're saying, no one's hunted the pigs here for four or five months, really. Yeah, yeah it's been a, been a I definitely had a long, uh, long dry spell of active hunting up here. So. Yeah, particularly for the pigs in those areas where they're at. So... It's like they're just going to be there doing their thing every day, unfazed, untouched. Do you think there would be no pigs if there was pressure on here? Their habits change. Yeah, it's become harder to find. Um, it's kind of like you can probably use like other salmon and stuff around our local stuff. Yeah. Um, a good example because they see a lot of people. Um, they might not hunt them per se, but so so to preface this is. There's like a population of samba deer locally around where we are at yeah. Newcastle. Around Newcastle. Okay. In very, I'll say, residential almost areas. Yeah. Tiny pockets of land there. Yeah, they, um, like they, they're very exposed to people and they get used to people, but still their habits are basically just fully nocturnal. Even when they sh- technically shouldn't be. Sure. They're just all nocturnal. Like people have the signs there. They have heaps of footage. Oh, the barrier's a sign there that you can tell if they've all been there. Like mm-hmm. you have game trail footage of. Seeing a deer coming through at one AM, and that's the only time you see him. It's just mm. like, how can you bow hunt that? Like it's, yeah, very hard. So, but that's one of those things you just got to be in the right place at the right time. And yeah, so like you can kind of use that application to up here if that you're hunting it every single day, the pigs would still be here, but they just become more nocturnal and harder to find and a lot more harder to hunt. Uh, yeah, the bigger boars also will not put themselves or not expose themselves to. If they put themselves in the open, it's because they're relaxed. Like, yeah. they don't like it. They're but shouldn't they be always relaxed? There's no, no predators on these big boars. You're talking to two of them. <laughs> oh, you are two big boars. <laughs> predators <laughs> on the big boars. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, but that's there's, that's minuscule pressure. Correct. But if that's what they're going to go, that's what they're going to go to. Yeah. It's either going to be old age disease or an arrow on this property. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the old... Like, Granted, there's definitely boars we haven't seen, mm. but a lot of that older class of boar that we like to hunt, we've had run-ins with most of them, mm-hmm. and they know, you know, yeah. like, and I think they can see the intent that there's something trying to close the gap on them. Mm-hmm. They know that's 
Yeah, like, like, yeah, like, like we were saying this morning, like on, on the mountain, like the, old, the old ones just, they're just constantly picking their head up and looking around and like getting... They're paranoid, yeah, you said. Yeah, everything, everything has to be, for you, you have to be 110% and they have to be 90% mm-hmm. if you haven't have a chance of getting them, so... Yeah, makes it hard. Kroger wasn't at 110% this morning. <laughs> he's, he's warming up to it slowly. Warming he's up. Like a big loco. Once he gets going, he'll be unstoppable. Yeah, that's right. Once the legs get going. That was Robbie's third bow kill this morning, yep, everyone third, who's listening. Third bow kill. I've killed two white-tailed does and then um, shot a pig yes. too high because he was too close and because I don't have the experience that my 20-yard pin was where it needed to be, but at five meters meant that it was three or four inches higher than yeah. it should have been. So I went through the no man's zone, could not find the pig. He'll live from that shot. And then busted <laughs> <laughs> Like it was like, oh, okay, yep, 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 yep. And then you picked up the binoculars and the furthest corner of the paddock that we could see, the furthest pasture, there was one pig 10 meters from the forest edge. Oh, there's a ball we're going after. I'm like, oh, fuck. Here we go. All right. And then we busted ourselves to get up there. Sheep in the way. And then it happened. And I failed. And put an arrow over it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. At least it was over and not in. Yeah. yeah. This is better than a wound yeah. any day of the week. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally whiffed it. Put it on the top as... That's As it. Jack said, he watched my quiverizer and the quiverizer like I yeah. jerked the whole no, so thing. The quiverizer near took my ear off because my head was right next to it. And, uh, <laughs> it was definitely a big kickback. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a muck up on that one. But Then we walked across the entire face chasing goats. Yeah, and the wind and the cattle. And then we saw another pig on the other side of the paddock. Yeah. Yep, we're going after that one. All right, let's go after that one. As long as we were at the same elevation. That was okay. Couldn't find that one. Then we came back because the truck was on this side of the paddock. And halfway back, we found a goat that was willing to play ball and willing to be, was in the right spot yeah, and was. worked behind a tree and we worked on the other side of the tree. And worked out perfectly. Got it done. Worked out perfectly. Worked out perfectly. It was a cracking shot too. I appreciate it. And he just featured for breakfast as well. That's right. We just had him for breakfast. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Nick Morton, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, finally. Thank you, Robbie. Um, Introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. I'm uh, Nick Morton, bow hunter from Australia. Um, What do I do? I'm just a passionate bow hunter through and through. It's what I'm put on this green earth to do. Um, Been chatting to Robbie for a while about getting him for a hunt out for some of our mountain boars that I <laughs> also love to hunt in this steep country. Shit, it's steep. And uh, yeah, that's my bread and butter. Love hunting mountain boars here in Australia. You own uh, multiple companies? Yeah, so we have a few companies. The main one is Bow Hunting Only that myself and Jack own. That's a retail brick and mortar storefront that we've started um, about 10 months ago, which has been a raging success here mm-hmm. in Australia. And then we also have Nexus Bow Hunting and Atlas Wild. Um, Arrow and supplements. Yes. So, yeah. And also out of the hunting sphere, I have another supplement company as well. But within the hunting sphere, um, we're all in pretty well. Yeah. If you can see the table, we have a blue drink that I think has red stuff underneath it. Yeah. It's got a bit of a, bit of a mixture in it, that we one. put a mixture. And yeah. Morton's drinking bright red stimulant yeah. that he started the morning with. 
you just can't drink any more of it, man. Like, I don't need you I going faster up the mountain. I just need to be able to keep mountain. up with you, Robbie. No, 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 no. There's expectations was, you have here. I was expanding my lungs <laughs> significantly this morning. Yeah, I said to Robbie, I said, you'll underestimate how steep this hill. And he said, yeah, 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 I understand, I understand. I'm like, no, no, you, I promise you, you will. I'll tell you what, because I came out of New Zealand and tar, you know, we've, we've climbed those tar country hills. We obviously went a lot slower mm. climbing those hills. Mm. This... I didn't obviously did not get winded over there, mm. but because we stopped frequently, yeah. this is just a different yeah. fast pace. It's a fast pace, high intensity. Move, 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 move. It's it's both. Like a, yeah. it's kind of a fast paced marathon. You you'll sit and glass sometimes for hours and hours on end, and twenty minutes before dark hits, a ball will come out on that paddock we're glassing there, and you have to get there. He's on the move. He's not going to bed down. He's not going to stop. You've got to cover a vast amount of distance and it happens there and now. It's like you have to get there. That's your opportunity. Make it happen. Mm. And, you know, this morning we spotted, Jack spotted a really handy ball with a mob. I'm like, yep, that's a shooter. Yeah. We both. That's a definite shooter. Like, it's, it's one of those ones you just lay eyes on and go, yeah, don't, let's not muck around here. Let's get back to the get back to the, uh, the car and make a play on this thing because it was, oh, as, as it worked out, how the wind was, it was. And we got right in amongst them. Yeah. I'm like sure five meters. But that big ball. Even though we rushed back to the car, cut, cut around the mountain, the big, big boar that was yeah. with a mob, he was gone already. Yeah. The sun was too high in the sky and he wasn't there. It was, it was literally 20 minutes past the first light. Was like sun, the sun wasn't even anywhere near coming up. It was just yeah. first light and he's just like, nah, I'm out of here. And then so. we got in and there was a couple of other handy satellite boars mm -hmm. on that mob there. And we were right amongst them pretty well. Like they yeah, sort yeah. of fed yeah. straight to us heading back to cover. And they were squealing and fighting. Yeah. And it was an un unreal experience. And so, like you said, being up, up close and personal with them mm -hmm. in amongst what they do. Or in amongst them. Yeah, when they're, when they're wild, there's pigs in front of us, pigs at the side of us, pigs behind us. And, and we could yeah. smell them like when we first got onto the knob that we were on. Yeah. You could smell that there was That's a right. big rudder. That's right. So that, 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 would, that smell would have been from the one we seen first thing. Like he would have just left his scent all over the mountain and... Like a good chance he'll come back out there. To come back out there tonight to mm -hmm. check break, back yeah, up, on check back up in the sound, mm -hmm. make his presence known again. Jack Crick, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. No, thank you. Thank Introduce you. yourself. Yes, well, obviously, Jack Crick. I uh, like Nick, very passionate bow hunter. Um, sort of. You've only shot three animals in your life with a gun. Yes, I've only shot three animals with a gun. I said it's not my. I've always just been brought up with bows ever since I was a. Uh, very young. Credit to my father for that. He um, introduced me to the, the sport that I know and love now. So, yeah, I said not much of a, of a rifle hunter. Obviously done a little bit with uh, only I said only, only the three animals and obviously just a couple of rabbits and stuff like that, just a couple of smaller things. But, yeah, predominantly just been a bow hunter. That's all I, all I know. Just love it and breathe it. And, yeah, now lucky enough to be uh, trying to make a living from the, the sport that I, that I yeah, know and love. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's chasing the dream, right? That is. That is. It's very, it's going very well. Like Nick said, it's been a uh, raging success the the store so far. So, like, yeah, I, I just I just like being. Is in there, there any and... other bow hunting store in no. Australia? No. no, there's plenty. There's plenty of archery stores and stuff like that. But target nothing... archery. Yeah, uh, archery like, in general. Archery, archery, in general. archery in general. They have. They do give hunting advice, but we wanted to. Like there was kind of an, like a spot in the market. Oh, I'll use, use the phrase spot in the market for us to come in and give more high-end hunting advice yeah to, to our, as, as much as our knowledge is we can try and give the best our best opinions and our experiences and try and teach people and educate you know what you need that. to do is you need to here's from this morning specifically like just what i saw this morning is 
you could easily you'd have to get like a decent camera yeah okay yeah looking at you Nick Morn <laughs> winking I'm winking, winking at, at me <laughs> um but you could absolutely do like a master class you could film it and you could explain through the master class like what you're doing why you're doing it what not I think yeah. that would be eaten up yeah 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 I, I I think that's got a lot of merit there um just understanding the wind and, and talking about, you know, catabatic, adabatic winds kind of yeah. thing, moving up and down the valleys kind of thing, and being in the, you know, being in on the field, on the face, saying, yeah. look, it is 9 a.m. this morning. This wind is coming from the valley bottoms up here. Watch. Yeah. And you use your indicator and you show that wind moving up. Well, yeah. it, and then you can show the wind yeah. swirling <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it did yeah. multiple times. As it betrays us. That's it. As in, it betrays us in, many in, times. In theory, it should be coming up the hill, but yeah. Correct. As as the mountain breeze usually does, it doesn't play the game. So, yeah, it's, it's nice enough knowing, like, yeah, thermals and all sort of stuff, but if there's a... Well, if you're hunting hunting the mountains, I said it happens on flat ground as well. The mount, the, the wind will swim, particularly in the mountains. It'll um, yeah, it'll it won't be your friend, especially when you, especially when you don't want it to be. It'll mm. you got something in front of you, it'll mm-hmm. turn around and switch, and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh. well, so we experienced it this morning multiple times when we're trying to get in on the goats. Like we'd be in our face for like ninety percent of it, get to the final ten percent where you're just starting to close the distance and yep. then, whew, gone turn around, swir- swir- yeah. uh, swirls and. Yeah. They're running up the they're, hill. They're running up the hill and they're going too fast for us. So. Shit. It's crazy. So, Nick, did you grow up hunting? I grew up outdoors. So, we grew up on a little bit of land and as a kid, I was always out there adventuring. I was always in the wilderness and I just wanted to explore. My dad used to go shooting um, when he was younger and I think that put a little bit of fire inside of me. I always wanted to do that. I didn't have the access, didn't have family members who'd done it anything like that. I was fortunate enough that I'd done a lot of fishing with dad um, when I was young as well. But basically, as, as from a young kid, when I was four or five, I was like making bow and arrows, you know, I was shooting rabbits and that essentially snowballed. And I didn't have anyone to really put me into it, teach me, nurture me down that path. So I had such a, a yearn and a want and a desire to go hunting. Mm. And it wasn't until I was about 15 or 16 that I was starting to get those opportunities. And then when I finally got my license... I was just straight in the deep end with it. Um, and I was saying this to you the other day. And there was no like desire to do rifle hunting or shooting. I, I'd done a little bit of that when I'd go with other people just so I could go to get the opportunity, but yeah. I was always drawn to bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I remember when I was a kid, I just looked at it and I was like, this is what, I got, what I'm going to do when I'm older. Hmm. And from a young age, I've always, I wanted to hunt boars in the mountains. And now here we are hunting boars in the mountains. And that's Shit. what I wanted to do from such a young age, and I'm so passionate about it. Hmm. You know, it's it's really what I want to spend my time doing. I I get so much out of it. I have invested a lot of my life doing it mm-hmm. and perfecting that. And to me, there's nothing better. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things that gets the heart going. Yeah, and I know a, feel alive. a lot of people aren't really drawn to hunting boars. Like, I don't think they appreciate them for what they are, the intelligence they have how crafty they are. Um, but like me and Jack, it's just yeah. winter's upon us and it's, it's go time. It's the best three months of the year for us. Well, but you, talk, you talk to most people that have hunted pigs in general, like whether it be with rifles or say dogs per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, you ask them always, have you ever seen boars fighting? And they'll say, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Do, they, do they fight? Do they? And it's like, well, yeah, because they, they rut and 
it's very similar to like the deer, right? The, the deer fight to show dominance, the boars fight to show dominance. And yeah, for the people that haven't experienced the, um, yeah, like boars fighting, being up close and personal, like we saw, like we were this morning, um, they don't, they don't see that proper excitement out of it. Like I said, yeah, like pig hunting's fun, don't get me wrong, but they don't get that really, um, like, and like you said, they can rut anytime, any, anytime. Like we were in rutting pigs this morning, yeah. This morning, this morning they were rutting, um, and we heard a bunch of other rutting pigs yeah. further up the mountain. We yeah. heard some bigger. We heard there was definitely one or two <coughs> really big boars um, in the thick stuff. Later right in the, the thick day. stuff, you can you can definitely tell when they're more dominant. Like Nick was saying this morning, it's a more of a guttural, mm-hmm. real deep sound sort mm-hmm. of to the. Thought. And it's 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 a, it's a different pitch. You can tell when they're aggressive or when they're just pigs sort of play fight. And you can tell when it's got some intent behind it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When when we when we hear that, that's when the the heart goes to. Goes to, the 180, goes to the 180 mark. So, yeah. What was it like for you, obviously, first time hearing it? Yeah, it was... I, I've heard pigs squealing, but I haven't heard them like... It was very distinctive, number one. Yeah. And then number two, once we were in amongst them, it was like... And, and obviously, I didn't hear the big battle. I've never... I've Yet, you yeah. know. But I could see how... Even in that moment, there was just a, a sense of... Because we didn't know if the big one was still there, right? We heard a bunch of squealing, a bunch of squealing, a bunch of moving around. And then that... Um, there were those two that came to... Once I'd shot the one, yeah. there were those two. And I was like, well, are those the big ones, yeah. right? No idea. And you were like, it's coming straight for us. And I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Like what's happening next, you know, kind of scenario. So you don't, you don't know. You feel sort of a little insecure in that, in that sort of place where they're just fighting and whatnot because they're not paying any attention it's to chaotic. you. It's chaotic. It's chaos. It is. And one thing I find with that is it's very hard. And I've had this times. You'll go in and on, on a rutting mob, and there'll be six mature boars there and one real standout pig. You're like, yep, that's the one I want. They're all black pigs, and they're spinning around, cartwheeling around in the thick scrub. It's just pandemonium in there you don't know which pig is the one you want to shoot and you'll have pigs filtering past at five ten meters you'll be there at full draw going is that the one i want to shoot is that the one i want to shoot and it's extremely frustrating because of how chaotic it is it's not oh he's bedded over there that's where he is i can gently take my time and tiptoe over there it's plan, like you have down. to make it happen mm-hmm. you know it's it's very intense mm-hmm. so it's a very different style of hunting than a lot of people are exposed to as well which adds to that for me. Jack, you haven't hunted out of Australia, right? No. Never done any uh, interstate stuff or out-of-state stuff. Oh, uh, international stuff, sorry. I've, um, You've hunted out of New South Wales? Yeah, hunted, though, out right? of New South, uh, hunted out of New South Wales. done a few trips to Cape York, and then last year was my first trip to uh, the Northern Territory. But um, yeah, so I do have aspirations to eventually go overseas. I'll, I, tr- I tried to line up to go over to the States you know, a few years ago, tried to apply for tags, but just lack of knowledge of how to actually apply um, didn't help me out, and then it yeah just just turned just turned out it wasn't, wasn't going to work out. Um, so now I have a bit more knowledge, being in this sort of space of how to. Yeah, apply. but you could argue there's better hunting here. You, de- you definitely could argue that, but like I said, for us this is our backyard. We kind of hunt it. Well, we can we can hunt 365 days a year if we wanted to. Um, the the draw card for those animals over there in the US, like your elk and lots of stuff. This is that's just different, mm-hmm. and there's, there's more. Adventure, I guess. No, I shouldn't say there's more yeah, adventure. There's more yeah, adventure yeah. that because yeah, most of the time it's going to be in the back country. You go in for four, five to four, five to ten days, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, could be by yourself. Could be with a mate. Could be with a group of people. Whatever, you, whatever you plan to do. 
But um, yeah, just that adventure side of it, like like Nick was saying, if you're going over the, for, the, for the first time, learning the area, finding where it is, that's the hard part. That's what most people will enjoy. And then when you finally do find those animals, and if you ha- if you're lucky enough to succeed, it's just so much more rewarding and yeah, hundred percent stuff like that. Whereas over here, we well, especially hunting locally, like in the local blocks that we hunt ninety percent of the year, it's still exciting to go hunting, but um, it just it is you don't you don't have that sense of proper adventure. So yeah, that's that's what draws me to the international stuff. But you can hunt here, like within a let's just let's just call it a twenty mile radius of yeah. where we are, twenty k radius, fifty k radius. Uh, fallow, red, red deer, yeah, pigs, yep, uh, goats, foxes, foxes, hares, rabbits, rabbits, yeah. What else? That pretty much covers most of it. Like there might be some other other species of deer ling- lingering around it in little you pockets. You can go to Queensland and shoot axes. Yeah, you can go. Yeah, you can go shoot shoot axes or chittle, um, and rooster deer, and then like. Um, you can go to Sandbar well. and Victoria. Yeah, they're they're Victoria. in this state as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, like we were saying before, they they are around our. Well, there's a lot more than people think around our local towns. Like, so from Newcastle, within 20 minutes drive, you can shoot basically all six species of deer in Australia. Yeah. So, on but, yeah, on near, near, near public Newcastle. land. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's private. It's private land, but they are around mm-hmm. in the area. So, like, mm-hmm. if you ha- if you're lucky enough to have access access mm-hmm. it might only be a small block like 20 30 acres or something, mm-hmm. like, especially for the samba um but yeah like i said 20 minutes from newcastle there are all pretty much all six species of deer so and then a little bit further you've got northern territory western australia scrub bulls buffalo buffalo boars again donkeys yeah. camels dingoes wild dogs yeah that's adventure Bantang. Bantang, yeah. yeah. You got a lot to hunt, man. We yeah. do, we do. We're nice. very lucky. It's We were talking about this earlier, I think, from a hunting perspective, the opportunities we have. For those who are listening to this and haven't experienced hunting, whether it's Australia, New Zealand, or Africa, I would say they're the three regions, regions in the world where hunting, it's its most... Primitive. And also... Traditional... Also, mm. opportunities that you have at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Like we said this morning, we went and hunted boars and we went yeah. and hunted goats and we could hunt boars. We again. were hunting whatever opportunity yeah. presented yeah. itself. You no, know, we're not. <coughs> and the system, how you guys have it in the States, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The tags, the allocations, the research that goes behind it, the animal management, fantastic. Fantastic, you know. But because we don't have the population over here, human population. Human population, sorry. There is so many animals to hunt per capita, per se, yep. compared to the States, that we might be able to shoot 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 animals a year. And that's not even going overboard. Yep. And we still need to control the population yep. on top of that. you know. Yep. So to be able to hunt fallow deer, red deer, samba, pigs, goats, foxes, rabbits, whatever, 365 at your leisure, no tags... No seasons. No license. No license. Yep. Um, being self-governed, essentially. Mm-hmm. The opportunities we have are just, if you have time off, you can physically go hunting. Sure. Yeah. You know, you're not waiting for a season to roll around. You're waiting for, oh, I don't have to be at work today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So. <clears throat> Jack, Australia, Australian Hunting Ridlodge. 
what what's what's keeping Australian hunting from really embracing who they're supposed to be from a hunting perspective? That's a good question. What's keeping Australia from ma- also maximizing its potential, sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just the probably not enough education around it, I guess. Um, like for someone that's that's not exposed to it, like someone that's not in the hunting sphere, coming from coming in, looking in from a um, just I guess I guess a civilian's point of view, as I say, mm-hmm. um, it's frowned upon. Like we spoke about on the mountain this morning, I said not many people just to, get, just to get to experience looking at the mountainside because they like most people live in the city nowhere near the country sort of thing and I think that's that kind of limit like, that's probably one of our biggest limiters I think is that we don't have the education behind it um, like basically everyone over in the US is there's some kind of hunting within the family that most people have brought up hunting sort of thing like it's, it's in it's in the it's just in the natural like it's, it's everyday growing up Whereas here, if unless you're unless you're brought up with it, like like I mentioned earlier, with my father introducing me to bow hunting, you don't get to experience it, don't get to have any knowledge about it, and then you kind of see it. And like if you look, I said looking in from someone else's point of view, it can, it can be seen as cruel, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the big things that go, especially with uh, everything that's going on with South Australia and stuff. It's, a, it's seen as cruel and inhumane, and rifle hunting is more humane. Like stuff, so there's a big push for that, but I just think it's yeah, a lack of education about hunting. Not enough people get to experience it, and th- therefore they have an opinion on something they don't necessarily, yeah, necessarily have education on. What, Nick? What are the um, is what are the, what is the perception around hunting here in Australia? It's not celebrated. It is not a celebrated culture. You look at the states, it's celebrated. You look at New Zealand, hunting is championed. Their conservation, it's ingrained in who they are. It's not celebrated in our culture and it's frowned upon it and I think that is ultimately where all of our issues stem from hmm. it's seen as like this taboo subject almost yeah. you know it's like oh, I know so but many how do we count how do how do people couch it in the respect of obviously you have a lot of animals mm-hmm. you know quote unquote dare I say pests yep so how do how does hunting get couched in this idea of management of animals, if at all. I think the fact that the government over here does a very good job of keeping hunting out of discussions. You know, if it's not spoke, not seen or heard, it's not a problem. Um, and I think the general public aren't privy to the information that's out there that the government is actually culling animals every year, that they are managing the numbers. That, But they have to. They have to, yeah, of course. They have to. But I think they keep that on the hush-hush because no matter what government's in power, if they're seen to be killing tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of animals every year. The public are going to be frowning upon that because they don't, they don't understand it. They don't believe in hunting or killing in the well, first place. Well, that's the key, right? That's what Jack said. It's them understanding Correct. that yeah. you've got this population that from a hunting perspective is not seen as a pest, mm-hmm. seen as a resource. Yeah. But even then... We understand that management is needed for ecosystem health, for herd health, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you have to do something with the population. There's only two things you can do from a management perspective. You can capture them and move them, or you can reduce them yeah. by killing. It's a hard one, you know? Like, 
going back like slightly off topic with this, I know so many people who actively hunt, but are share are scared to share that with their circle of friends, family, and things like that out of fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. Because, but the people that are judging them have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. They're just talking out of sheer emotion. It's not facts. It's not logic. And that is a big problem, you know? It's almost like that person that if they say, I'm against hunting, I'm against you going bow hunting. Mm. And I could see that me coming back into Sydney and talking to my family. Mm. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I, you know, I killed a goat. Oh, why do you need to kill that goat? I didn't. I didn't really need to kill it. But there was an adventure tied to it. Two, we ate it. Three, we saw... As we saw a hundred goats this morning. Mm. You say we could have seen five hundred goats yeah. on that one side this morning. So there's a there's a population management element to what I did. Um or drop in the bucket. Mm. Yeah, honestly. But somebody who's against hunting, you say, Well, okay, well then how would you manage that population? Mm. You have to do it. Yeah. You have to manage it. So you're okay with them helicopter gunning them yeah. to reduce the population. And they would say, no, 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 I don't like that either. Okay, then. Yeah. What do you like? What's yeah. the next step? What's the next well, step? Let's, let's, let's put some 1080 done. down, yeah. you know? You don't like that either. Yeah. Okay, well, something has to happen. Yeah. But that's a conversation they've never had. They've never mm-hmm. had to think about it's head in the sand. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. don't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's next not, topic. It's not It's not raised very often. I said, okay, I said there occasionally there's a, an article or something brought up about something happening with, within hunting, but it's, like a, using like a newspaper for example, it's like a page thirty-five article. Cause it's not, it's not headlined at all. Not mainstream people don't see it. You only you generally see it if you're like in the sphere of um of hunting that you might come across it. But even even then, there's still not much mm-hmm. like government information given out by yeah given out by the government about hunting and yeah. I said it's just yeah, frowned upon. I said you can like over in the states you see people walking around in hunting gear and just walking around at the shops so if you're doing that over here you'd be judged immensely people be like what are you wearing why are you wearing that it's like oh I'm a hunter or I'm involved with hunting and they're just like mm. right and they you're talking so what would you say in that conversation let's just play that out what would they say they say why, why do you need you get to that kill that's cruel you get, you get that you get that's cruel um, but my well, a lot of uh, an argument I've heard a lot throughout my or older, like through, like through my dad and like, like my main sort of hunting group, is like when you someone gives you that response, say, "Oh, that's cruel. Um, why do you do that? Why do you eat meat?" Um, you can then turn around and say, "Well, do you eat meat?" They say, "Yes." Well, 100%. so you're so you're happy with someone going and doing your killing for you, eh? Sure, hundred percent. That's you're buying, you're buying it off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I said, "Why? What's wrong with me personally going and organically getting it?" Mm-hmm. I can see. Where it's come from, yep. what it's done, yep. it hasn't gone through a facility. Yep. I know exactly what it is. Yep. I prepared it. I have a sense of fulfillment, like, like even like a primal sense of fulfillment that I've done something that we've done for tens, hundreds, thousand years. And um, yeah, and then they go, oh, it puts it just puts a oh no, a little, for sure. A, the a food argument a, is a definitely a good one that puts a lot of people in the back foot. So yeah. it's like you you know you eat meat, so how could you judge me? You're being you know yeah. Hypocritical. Yeah, it, it does. It, it, it's like I've like I've been approached before, like just at family events and stuff. That like people that like I'm obviously part of the family and whatever. Um, they'll ask, and it's just like, well, you eat meat. So why? It's like you have, do you have 
do you have a problem with, like why don't you have a problem with someone killing it for you it's, it's just essentially it's a it's exactly the same it's, thing. Yeah, essentially yeah it's the same it's the same thing it's just that you're paying someone to do your dirty work for you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah that's, that, that's the, that disconnect I yeah. think with a lot of people they're very disconnected from where their food comes from there's no understanding that if you pick up a packet of meat in a supermarket something has died something has lived and something has died for yeah. you to pick that up and put it in your shopping basket mm-hmm. and that's extremely disconnect mm-hmm. that's with a lot of people um I wonder how you could use that resource management resource management example as a way of rhetoric too. It's just like, you know, you've got these great species that have been introduced to this amazing mm. country. They need management. Hunting is a way to, you know, it's a conservation argument. Yeah, it is. And it also creates its own economy. Yep. You know, it does. What did they say about the New South Wales economy when it comes to hunting? I couldn't just like, it was fact. It was like the second highest um, gross domestic product in New South Wales was hunting. Really? Wow. Yeah. It was like uh, it was. It was. I'm, I can see the graph, and it was these little line, these little bars that go out, and there were two big lines. I think the yeah. top line was probably an agriculture line, and the second line was hunting. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Be curious to see that. Mm. Another another argument I sort of something I put forward to people it's a death at the hands of a hunter as a wild animal versus a natural death. Mm. I know what I would take myself. Mm-hmm. If an animal dies of old age, it's either starvation, disease, or predation. Typically, mm-hmm. three options that there's no mercy yeah. in. Yeah. You know, starvation. That's going to be a long process. Yeah, but that's natural, Nick. It is yeah. natural, but it's not nice. <laughs> that's the argument back. Yeah. You know, I'm being facetious, yeah, for but sure, the yeah. argument back is, yeah. oh, that's natural. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. say it's not your job. Of course. Well, it is our job. True. It is our job. We have introduced species, not pest species. We've got introduced species into the landscape. Someone has to manage them. Mm, yeah. Someone has to be the steward. That someone is humans. Yeah. And so humans have to make the decisions about how is this population going to be managed how many are we going to take mm. but then there's a the balance because as you said it's a vital resource that has a food component has an economic component and has an ecosystem component mm-hmm. and so by reducing again you it, there's a there's an ecosystem element that comes with the suppression of a population but there's also a herd health component that comes from it where do you, I'm always interested in, like, how would you approach, I'll ask both of you the same question. If you were, if you had the ability, what would you do, what would we need to do to elevate hunting into the realm of what we have just talked about in the Australian community? Oh, yeah, I, I think it's just like I said, it comes back to people being exposed to it. Like, so we, if we, we spoke about it this morning, so if we, if we were able to take, just pick someone, just pick someone up from the from the city, someone that's an ant, like an anti hunter, you know, as I say, bring them out, show them what happens. Like I said, you need three hours. Like you could it could have could have shown them in three hours this in morning. Three hours. What it's what it's like, and it just get like it's only a brief introduction, but they get a picture of what it's like and what's necessary and why we do it. Um, so they get that. They'll also get a picture of yeah. how many animals are on the right. landscape. Yeah, that's right. Like there, there needs to be something like that where people can 
access information about it like like even it's like video footage where there's a video series about it just a lot of like media arguments like media articles probably aren't isn't, isn't going to get the job done it needs to be well for me I'll, I'll use myself as a as an example i'm a visual learner i need to see things to learn it i mm-hmm. can't just read i can't just read articles and go oh yeah this, this it sticks in my brain you can read though right i can read okay, okay. not just well making sure i can i can read but not well but um <laughs> yeah like i said it needs to be seen not just yeah, yeah, yeah. read about or mm-hmm. heard it needs to be seen so like there needs to be some kind of video format or or in-person um viewing of what hunting is in australia for people to understand it and get a get a, an opinion on it you I think there's a fine line between sharing it more, which would create more backlash, versus not sharing enough and hiding it. I think we need to share it in a way that champions hunting, the culture, the lifestyle, what it represents for us, and the full circle of it, you know? Um, Like I myself, I'll put my hand straight up and say I'm a trophy hunter 90% of the time, you know? That's me. Happy to say that. That's the reality of it. But as you said, I'm hunting pests. Mm-hmm. But also with that, we harvested four deer just in the rut, just gone. Three of those deer I carried out whole on my back. Processed the meat. It's in the freezer at home. That's a resource there. It's been cooking meals for friends and family. I think showing the entire process and celebrating that culture and having that accessible to people so they can see that there's more than just the killing which they perceive, you know? They think about hunting and they think about bloodlust, yeah. killing, sure. cruelty. Sure, sure, that, sure, that's sure. their image in their brain. Yeah, but that's what, you know, the vast majority, 95% of hunters is only showing. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be more of the backstory shown, the complete side of it, yeah. so people can go, oh, it's not just that. It's not just about that, you know? Like, when someone asks me, that has no idea about hunting all the time, They'll be like, oh, do you feel good when you kill something? And it's like, no, that's that's not even remotely close to why I hunt. You know, it's like there is so much more to hunting than the actual act of the killing, the mm-hmm. hunting part. You know, it's the journey. It's the whole lifestyle for me. It's everything about it that's all-encompassing is why I hunt. But people see that 2%, the killing. And I think we need to expose the other sides of it and make it more acceptable that way. Because I think every time I have a conversation with someone that challenges me about it, I would say seven out of 10 times I can convert those people to having a better understanding or be, mm-hmm. being more okay with it. I'm not saying, oh yeah, they're, they're for hunting now, but I can give them an understanding and a perspective that they didn't have before and they'll be far more understanding and respectful of the fact that I am a hunter. You know, mm-hmm. it's just being able to have that conversation with someone and changing their thought process yeah. is the hardest part because if someone's got an idea stuck in their brain, well, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. That's their thought process mm-hmm. just because. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think having that out there and people sharing all sides of it, I think is a big step as well. But I'm... And look, I don't know the right or wrong answers to this, but I, I don't like when people hide the fact that they hunt. Yeah. I don't like that because I think it just creates a bigger problem. Like yeah. it's a precedent to yeah. It's just it's just adding to the adding to the problem because people don't. Well, I think that I think people don't show that they hunt because what they believe they need to portray as a hunter 
is essentially what we've created in our community, which is just like, oh, we're going to show a bunch of grip and grins. Yeah. That's all you're doing, right? Versus the things that we just talked about. Hey, can we, when we talk about hunting, when you post about hunting, can you put up a video of how gassed you were at the top of the mountain because of the adventure of stalking? I have not get those from this morning. Yeah. If you oh, you do? Here. Please keep those in the closet, please. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, exactly. Um, no. Those are exactly. That's exactly the kinds of video that you need to be showing. The sunrise and talking about the sunrise and yeah. whatnot. And yeah, the meat, the freaking beautiful you know, meal that Jack just cooked for us. Mm. Um, the conservation benefits of it. Yeah. And put a trophy shot in there. Okay. Yeah. But you put a trophy shot in amongst eight different things. Yeah. Right? So now there's... You've almost flip-flopped the, the narrative of what hunting is. But unfortunately, the reason we live in the world that we live in today from a hunting rhetoric perspective and the reason why Blood Origins has the mission that it is, is that those eight things, let's just call it ten, yeah. nine of them everyone has ignored. Mm. They're focused on the one yeah. because hunting is very egocentric yeah. and you want the likes, you want the dopamine hit, you want the people responding yeah. Yeah, like, so, like, I get yeah. it. I, I I think people need to sit, like need to look into the lifestyle, like, the lifestyle thing as well, from like a hunter's perspective. Like, like you said, said today, like a lot of, like like Nick was saying, like building into his, into his life, and it's like basically what you live and breathe around. It it creates, or in my eyes, it, for, for me, it, it creates a healthier lifestyle because I want to be physically fit, so I'm not going to be getting obese and stuff like, like mm-hmm. lousing around. So I'm going to be trying to be active mm-hmm. to get out there. It just keeps you into a, a great mental state. It's just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So that's, I think that's another thing that people need to look at and see see a, a benefit to. Um, it's just the lifestyle that creates, like I said, someone that's involved with hunting generally lives a pretty healthy lifestyle. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, I don't know where I was yesterday, but I was responding to someone on Facebook. The whole rhetoric that you know hunters are just are more likely to be serial killers and psychopaths. Yeah, Not like. To concoct this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a there's there's con there's it, you know being in the world for so long not for so long for the five years we've been in it. There's certain pieces of rhetoric that are used constantly. Yeah, yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. The three percent back to communities in Africa is another one. Um, but I think that there's a conservation element. The other thing that I think I'm I want to explore is you guys don't have an ability to put food in the food chain here, right? No, it's illegal. Yeah. It's illegal. You've got a pheno- like, you've got um, enormous resource, food resource, probably more than yeah, any more other than country, more think. than most, that's for sure. For the amount of people that you have, yeah, there should never be someone that goes hungry in Australia. Mm. Period. Yep. Now, as I was talking to, uh, I w- it wasn't in Australia; it was in New Zealand. We um, we interviewed a, a Maori guy who's in an old age home. Mm-hmm. Who has delivered meat every Tuesday from the Seeker Foundation? Yeah, big packets of frozen venison mints. And he and we were talking, and he was like, "I said, do you, you know, do you? Does your family like it?" And he was like, "Nah, they're fussy." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, it, 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 what he was bringing to light was there's levels of hunger." Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. You're hungry. But if you're like, nah, I'm not going to eat that. Yeah. Then. Yeah. You're I mean, not really hungry. You're really that's hungry? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
But I think that's a that's a that's certainly something to champion here in Australia. Is oh, that right. you've got this massive resource that could feed every single person in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Well, or, or just those in need. Those yeah. in need, of course. You, so you can you can use like the like up in the Northern Territory in the um like in the Aboriginal lands and stuff like that. The the amount of relocks with most time guys up there will give say it's a buffalo carcass or something. Yep. Like the meat will be donated to some of the Aboriginal communities. Yep, yep. And they just like they love it. They mm-hmm. utilize, utilize it. They look forward to um, people coming in and giving them meat and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, so like I said, it should be should be championed or that that sort of thing, that resource that can be provided to help out people in need as well. Like I said, mm-hmm. like yeah. That's There's a guy there. called Manuel. Manuel, yeah. He was in the there's like a little Aboriginal um interaction studio outside of Catherine. Mm-hmm. And uh I asked Manuel, I said, Manuel, do you like donkey? He's like, nah, I prefer buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo. It was brilliant. The way that he just was like, nah, donkey yeah. no good. Yeah. Donkey no good. Buffalo? Yeah, I like buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um well, good, man. Um, you're going to... Are we... I want to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Your perception of how hunting is in Australia mm. and thoughts on it in comparison to, obviously, the States, Africa, New Zealand. Where do you see hunting and its place in Australia and its perception? Like, what is what is your thoughts I on I think, it? obviously, I think Australian hunting has been the same way American hunting has been tainted with like a crocodile crocodile dundee yeah sort of you know bogans in nah bogans with white singlets standing on the back of the ute with spotlights and rifles shooting everything that moves yeah yeah that is the perception of hunting by australians that live in sydney of hunting that happens in the rural countryside Mm -hmm. same thing in america uh, same thing in you know most parts of the world. Um, I think Australia has. I think that there. I, I actually, I think Australia above and beyond, and New Zealand to to some degree. I think you guys have got a very young cohort of hunters right now. I don't think you're in that bubble that America is in, where the majority of hunters in America are like fifty to sixty-five. Yeah. They're about to bleed off, and the license system is about to sort of take it a hit. But I think it'll come back. I think Australia and New Zealand, you guys are in this. I think you've got a very strong young cohort, 20 to 40-year-olds, that are truly, you know, good hunters. Bow hunters, rifle hunters, uh, doing it for the right reasons. But again, the hunting community does itself in by ego and competition. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is a young enough cohort here in Australia and New Zealand living in the social media world that we live in today to be able to absolutely change perceptions of hunting and hunting in Australia. 100%. I think definitely how it's being portrayed and what you're saying with the younger generation coming through, I see that a lot with the store we've got now you know we're exposed to people entering yeah what's the age demographic of the people coming in the store I'd say sub 35 yeah I'd say yeah, exactly. eight, 18 to 30 exactly yeah. Even, it could be like a lot most of the time it's 
um, dad's bringing there. You just stick a lolly in your mouth. No, that was a bit of ice. Oh, okay. Drink. You wanted one, didn't you? The lolly's on my yeah, side. The lolly's on your side. Yeah, You're hogging them. But no, it's mo- like most, all, and it's good. It's like most time it's a, a father and a son coming in, both wanting to get into it. Yeah. Um, a lot of newbies. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot, of, like especially you know, post COVID. Well, that's not my, in my family, if you'd say, Robbie, who's the person in your family that would never, ever, ever hunt? I point at a guy called Peter James. <laughs> Come on, Peter James. Peter James, cousin of mine. Yeah. You know, history guy, teacher at Newington in Sydney, high-end private yeah. school. The guy is legitimately, I'll connect you guys because he needs to come and do a weekend like this with you yeah. to learn. He legitimately is now like, I'm all in. Really? He's got like three guns already. Wow. We'll I was like, yeah. I was like what? He's all in. Yeah. And he's got... Was well, that got, because of you, obviously? Yeah, a little bit, I would think. Yeah. Um, but it was also his wife went through cancer mm-hmm. and they wanted to eat as clean, as clean, as yeah. clean as they possibly can have. He lives in d- central, central, central Sydney. Yeah. His cool. entire backyard is converted into a vegetable garden. He's got yeah. chooks, he's got eggs, he's nice. got everything. Yeah. It's good. And he's got a little property. Uh, where? How far would Moon and Brook be from here? About 100 kilometers. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He's got a little property up there. I've done a bit of hunting there. And uh, he's got some pigs and he's got some goats up there. Hasn't been successful yet. So. Send him our way. He's a youngster. Yeah. You know, he's he's mid-30s. Yeah. Nice. And the last person you would think that would become a hunter. But there's a lot of that, like... It, once they get that, they see the side of it that we've spoken about, the, the full circle of the hunting, a lot yeah. of people like that get interested in it. So why are we not talking about the full circle in our social media world in Australia? It's a great question. I, a, I, think there great is question. A, I think there is a lot of it happening as well. It's, it's, de- it's, uh, it's definitely starting to happen a bit more. The more social media and stuff grows, or, yeah, the more social media and stuff grows, I think it's definitely being explored a bit more. Um, but it, it, this comes back to the thing of people not wanting to be judged. So. Well, and that's the thing, like Blood Origins Australia, we've got like 4,000 people in our Blood Origins Australia Facebook group. And yeah. The guy that was helping me do it just got the shit in with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because people just, like you just said, they're just... It's divisive. It's divisive. And yeah. it's like, they were nasty and they were like, yeah. you're just doing it for the wrong reasons. And he's yeah, like, yeah. no, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm actually doing it for the right I, reasons. I'm doing it for the right reasons. Like, I love this cause. I'm, I think it's the way forward. I think it's... The thing that we should be championing, yeah. Yet you're coming at me saying you're doing it because yeah. you want to be famous. That's it. Like, it's like I said, people like you could, you could have eight, nine, ten really good things, but people will just focus on that one thing. And usually, usually it revolves around like the trophy hunting side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like I said, even if you tell people the story of, or just say you shot a like a really nice red deer, um, took the whole animal, processed it all, um, people will still focus that you've just shot a deer for its antlers mm-hmm. but, I mean really you've taken like you said you, you show them the whole backstory of taking the the cape the the um the meat everything like that the memories that go through with, with your friends and family you've um achieved it with and that, that is focused on the your trophy you have killed it because you wanted to put a, a mount above your fireplace mm. so mm. but yeah. the negativity is always the loudest yeah. that's in that's it. every single everything, yeah. everything you do the negativity is always loudest like you said there's 4,000 members in there I guarantee there wasn't 2,000 members being negative, was there? Yeah. It would be a sprinkle. Six yeah. or seven, yeah. But it's very venomous. It's mm-hmm. and, and depending on the person who it's directed at or the group it's directed to, like, people pay attention to it, you know? Like, yeah. I... 
Especially in a volunteer in volunteer capacity. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm putting myself out there getting this when those people know they're genuinely doing it for the right reasons. Yep. You know, so I think there's a lot of that, which is very unfortunate in Australia. I think it is getting better slowly. It's it's definitely getting better. Definitely getting better. Like, I know I've been subjected to a lot of it. That's water off a duck's back for me. Like, Mm. I know what I'm doing here, hunting, how I do it, whether it's social media or not. I will be doing the same thing until the day I die. This mm-hmm. is this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but other people when they cop that criticism, they take they take it to heart. Yeah, and then they totally stop. Yeah, you know, and then there's that story not being shared at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it might still be happening, but it's not being shared. So yeah, yeah, it's it sucks the way the world is like that. Everyone has an opinion. You know, it's easy to have one over a keyboard. Yeah. Um. Oh, so it's, it's like it's like all the family and stuff. Then we'll plan our NT trip last year and then it's like oh, why the fuck do you want to go to the Northern Territory and spend a month out there just uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. like well we're going out there to enjoy ourselves it's an adventure yep. um, you know, like we're going to help out a property owner with buffalo numbers and mm-hmm. stuff like that so and that's like that just does not sound fun at all it's like well it's because you haven't experienced it mm-hmm. if you experienced it you mm-hmm. might have a bit more of a, an idea of why you go to such lengths to go out and go hunting yeah well, this morning was tough, man. It was um, just a warm-up, Robbie. Oh, come on. You can't can't tell me well. that. <laughs> You've done well. Like I said, we don't have mountains like this in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's tough to replicate. Yeah. Even with a 40-pound you know, weight yeah. vest on. and That's it. You can't get ready for it. Nothing. You cannot nothing. get ready for that e- that lung expansion. Yeah. <laughs> the lung expansion. That, that occurred this morning. It was like maximum capacity. It was still dark. And we heard boars, Jack heard boars squealing from the car. And then it was like, righto, we'll go down to the glassing dam. We could hear pigs carrying on. I said to Robbie, we're, we're going to have to run over there soon. And <laughs> sure enough, we spotted that boar. It was like, righto, yeah. we're on. Yeah. Sun's been up for I'll six minutes. What, I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to spot that boar without uh, Robbie's focusing, uh, balancing binoculars. They were, mm-hmm. they were really good. I enjoyed them. Yep, good. Zulus from yeah. Six Hour. Yeah. Image no, stabilizers. I'm, I'm the image stabilizers on those, I was impressed. I'm very impressed with that. You've cost me money. Yep, they're going to cost you some money. Well, boys, um, little rest and then back at it. Yep. yep. In an hour. It's been good. Good morning yep. so far. Good yeah. morning. Good morning. Same I appreciate it. I really am grateful for the opportunity and I don't get to hunt very much anymore. That's good. And so getting a little walk in the paddock. That's it. I, I think it's the least we can do. Like you do so much for the hunting community on everyone's behalf and mm. like, if I can take you out hunting for a day and put you in front of a few animals and Heck yeah. cook an awesome meal with that That's later. It. and it's yeah, experience. It's awesome, Perfect. Man. Perfect. Least we can do. All right. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.